Uh, I'm going to pray. Just remain standing. I'll pray here in just a moment. Uh, just also, what's really cool, God had led us about three different memberships groups before COVID hit to begin to do uh, membership virtually, right, through Zoom calls where you're on with me and the other leadership teaching sessions, but there's only like four, and then all the people could see one another that's in the membership class. It's really cool. So, And then on the final one, we come together. I pray over you that accept the covenant, and we have a little dinner, and it's cool. But uh, it's really awesome what God is up to. So it is so important that you get locked in. It's so important that you have people standing arm in arm with you that you are in covenant with, and they are in covenant with you. Uh, let's go and pray. Father, I just thank you for this great day. It's already begun. I thank you for all those joining us online. <clears throat> you have marked us. You have called us for such a time as this. And God, we know April is going to be spectacular, one of the most spectacular months we've ever experienced here at Bethel, one of the greatest soul-winning months we've ever experienced here at Bethel. And that's not hype, God. That's just you, and you're way more than hype. And Lord, we thank you for the words you have for us today. Motivate us, fire us up, encourage us, convict us, whatever you got to do, that we get the revelation of the power of one, and that, Father, we focus and pray on those five names that we listed and that we see every one of them come to Christ and come to church Easter and come to Christ, and we give you glory in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. give God a big shout, yes, and be seated. Amen. I'm so fired up about what God's doing. We did have an awesome, awesome uh, prophetic healing service Thursday night, and it was so cool. There was quite a few healings, one very notable healing. John, is John in here? Stand up, John, and wave at us. Amen. John has been a member here at Bethel for probably 10 years or more, I'd say. How many? 13. See, I'm, I'm not even close. 13. And John was in a horrendous car wreck about five years ago or so or somewhere around that. And, I mean, if you saw the pictures, hit by a semi, it, it was angels that kept him alive. Well, he's had severe uh, chronic pain from the injuries to his neck, his spine, uh, for years. But here in the last few months, it's been almost unbearable for John. Well, Thursday night, he got touched by the Lord, totally healed, moving, pain-free. John, are you still pain-free? Yes, yes, pain, you know, when we say pain-free, we got to realize when you've had a severe neck and back injury and bones, cartilage and spine and nerves and all that messed up, they've tried to fix it, they couldn't, the doctors have done the best they could, but we got the great physician, Jesus Christ, right? And even though he had the facts that they didn't know what they could do, we know the truth, you know the truth and you're set free. So let's give Jesus a big shout. Thank you. Thank you, John. Amen. We'll have John give his full testimony here soon. And then there was others healed. It was so cool. Uh, another person with scoliosis, I think she was healed, or at least God get, did a big start on that, and some other bone miracles and nerve miracles. It's kind of funny how God, not funny, but it's interesting how God moves in each service. You know, my goal is to really, well, first of all, it's good to be back. Amen. Pastor Steph and I have been gone for a couple weeks, and our intention was to be here last Sunday, but our uh, connection flight in Atlanta was canceled, 
and therefore there was no openings, and we had to stay over. And um, But I think that was really a God thing because Pastor Mark crushed it last week. And another reason I believe it was God is because of the illustration and the exercise he took you through, right? Because we look at the power of one, we began this a couple weeks ago, and actually in about, two, well, two weekends from now, we'll experience Easter, and it's going to be cool. We'll have two services with this crowd. We might have to have more than that uh, because we want to give people plenty of room, uh, 9.30 and 11.30. But as I look at the power of one and just think about how God has honored you and I to co-labor with him, how God has honored you and I to be part of his mission called the great what co-mission or commission. And when you think about the power of one and, and what God is doing, and when you begin to, like, make that list out of five, I think they still have some of those here. If you haven't done it yet, or you can write it down. And uh, make sure you write that down and put your faith out. I want to go on the screens real quick and just we'll look together at some of the diagrams to see what our, the mission and the opportunity we have here in the Lexington metropolitan area, which includes Nicholasville and other areas. Uh, the 2010 census showed us that there was about 500,000 people total, about 250,000 unchurched people walking around, one out of every two people you see. Now get this, 175,000 of the 250,000 at that point, whenever they did the census, had not been invited to church. And we call this the Bible Belt, right? Give me the next slide. Um, and then we see the power of 47. So the power of 47 is the 47 miles. If we line people up person to person in one direction, the 250,000 people would go 47,000 miles, 47 miles, 47,000, 47 miles. Now, we see in this one, this illustration, Bethel Harbor's church from here to Natural Bridge is 47.63 miles. So it would be almost a Natural Bridge, people lined up person in front of person that don't know Jesus. Let's look at the next one. If we go north, we see that you could go to Dry Ridge, with a little over 47 miles to Dry Ridge, Kentucky, towards Cincinnati. Let's look at the next one. And if we go, is that south or which? Yeah, if we go south, you know, this is interesting. We go all the way down to Riffrow Valley to what? The Kentucky Music Hall of Fame. Isn't that crazy when you're on 75 and driving down through there? Let's go to another one. And then Bethel Harbor Church to old, my old Kentucky home, which is more toward the Louisville direction, I guess, east or west, I guess, 47 miles. We would go to, uh, you'd make it to my old Kentucky home. Is that it? Do we have more? Now, this is the most critical one, and leave that there for a second because Pastor Mark just crushed this and just looking at it and listening to it myself, it even convicted me to a greater depth of how important the power of one is. 47, uh, 250,000 people would be lined up two and a half times, like this, two and a half times around New Circle Road. Now get this. He gave a great illustration last week, and he said, if you were to drive out of here today and get on the Tates Creek exit going north or right, however, and your car had to stop because the road was blocked, and you would see two lines of people coming around. They wouldn't have to go around it twice, but you could put them side by side coming around, which stretch all the way around Nicholasville, or you could have one line, which would go around twice, and you're walking and looking for 
that one or five people that you're believing for that are unchurched, out of that line, going around New Circle twice, you would, you'd be looking intently for the people that you're believing for, and they would be somewhere in that line. And without you or someone standing in gap for the one, they could very well end up in the eternity of hell. And we have such a great opportunity, and as we take on this conviction, guys, and we really believe what the Scripture says, and we buy into this, I'll tell you, there is so much power in what we can do. I know even Thursday night, we had a decent crowd. It was raining and different things. It was a decent crowd. But I, I said to the people, and many of you were there, wow, God, God moves every time. Every time there's notable miracles and salvations. And I said, what if we all just brought one? we probably would have had 100 salvations if we'd all brought one. Because if they could see the miracles, right, it makes it easier to believe for themselves and what God can do. We have such a great opportunity. Now, here's something that I haven't, we, Steph and I haven't shared with the staff as a whole yet. It's something we've been praying about. And we're going to take a Sunday this summer, probably in the month of June, and we're going to take our whole church, meet here and pray and go do some type of project to transform our community that Sunday morning. And so we're going to take an entire Sunday morning with all of us and serve our community at some capacity. Is anybody up for that? I, I believe God wants us outside the walls, don't you? The church is not in here. The church is in here. We are the church, and we're just going to go by faith and do it. It's leadership. And I'd like you guys to start, they'll set up something for you where you're online because they don't know yet, and they'll find out it's you do. And I, I don't say that dishonoring to our team. They're amazing. But sometimes God just been dealing with me and prompting me, and I have to speak it out when I feel it's time to start, we call it leaking or speaking. Uh, but what I want to do is I'd like you to begin to let us know. We'll probably have a format online digitally that you could email or text or whatever, a project you would love to see the church do whether it's for the community or a neighborhood or whatever it is, you say, man, I'd love it if we could do this or we could touch this many people or these sort. Because it might be more than one project on that day, and, and we're going to make a difference for Jesus, right? Anybody ready to make a difference for Jesus? Yeah. Amen. So, so it's so cool what God has for us. Now, you've already know about uh, the Easter check-in list. I've been talking about that, the, the five names. We also have yard signs. Do we still have those this week? One left. All of them are gone, but one. So grab that one. The vehicle billboard opportunity. It's happening as we speak right now out in the parking lot. Uh, and we want to challenge everyone to serve Easter because we're going to be doing two services Easter. If you could just jump in and assist some ministries or help ministries, we really need everyone that can to step up. At least maybe serve one and set in one or something like that. And then remember what? It's all about one. Now, as we get into what the Lord has put on my heart for you today, it won't take a long time, but I believe it's going to be impactful to you. And that is simply this, that Jesus continually talked about the one. There's power in the one. He continuously focused. Yes, he ministered to masses and large groups. But many times the way that happened was he would heal or minister to one and the groups would gather. It was different ways. And sometimes during the large groups, we think about giving attention to the little boy with the five loaves and three fishes, right? Uh, or whichever way that goes. You know, 5,000 men and their families were there hungry, 
and, and they broke the fishes and the loaves, and they fed the people and had 12 baskets left over. But it all happened with giving attention to the one little lad that nobody was thinking about that brought a little packed lunch. There's power in the one. There's miracles in the one, right? There's deliverance and salvation in the one. And when we hear the Holy Spirit and we obey what he says, he's going to draw us and lead us to the one we need to minister to. Now, it's pretty easy coming into Easter. Does anyone know five people that need Jesus right now? Does anybody? We all do, don't we? If we don't, we need to find out. We need to crawl out of our hole. Amen? So look at me in Luke chapter 15, verse 8, verses 8 through 10. It says, uh, or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp? This is Jesus giving us a parable. Doesn't she light a lamp? Sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. And when she finds it, uh, and when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. So she gets excited about that, right? In the same way, everybody say the same way. Here's Jesus telling us. He says, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels, of the angels of God over one sinner who repents, or one person that repents of sin and becomes a child of God. So that's the celebration. He lets us know the value of one, and he said the woman will not stop searching. How about you and I? We have the most valuable gift that's ever been given to humanity, the gift of salvation. Now, in the gift of salvation, we talked a little bit about it Thursday night. Several hundred years ago, there was a debate about salvation because the word salvation, soterio, means to heal, to save, to heal, to make whole, to preserve, to bless. And there was groups that brought, broke it up and said, well, the healing thing could be later on if it ever happens. But the main thing is salvation. Yeah, it, it, I'd rather be saved and go to heaven than have my body healed, right? But we don't have to choose because he said in 1 Peter 2.24, by his stripes you were healed. So in salvation is wholeness. It's it's completeness. It's spending eternity with the Heavenly Father. And what I want you to realize is that if we believe in it that much and we see the tragedy in this church alone that people have went to heaven that way too early because of COVID, not only because of the illness, but other events because of the isolation and, and all of that. And we see it in our community. We see it in our nation as a whole the illness and, and, and the mental illness and, and the isolation, what it's done to our people. You and I should have a greater hunger now than ever to invite people in our community, in our neighborhood that work with us, that have been isolated to come and celebrate with you on Easter Sunday morning. Because even if they are a child of God, they can get free and delivered of depression and oppression. Did anybody get free Thursday night? Of, you've been battling some depression or or oppression, just shout if you did. Several, yeah. I know there was more than that, but I understand Sunday morning. Don't want everybody to know. But it was cool, right? And, and, and don't you want everyone to experience that? Anyone in isolation? Anyone? I had to battle it, man. I'd feel myself getting isolated, getting down, and I'd have to shake that thing off and get out and, and begin to do things for God. So that's critical. And Jesus said, look, she's going to search till she finds it. That's a woman looking for a coin. You have an opportunity to find a valuable soul, bring them into healing, deliverance, and salvation for God. Give God a shout if you believe that's good. 
I want you to realize there's so much value in you and I that Jesus chose to come and give his life and suffer and die to be resurrected again, but he still had to suffer and die so that you and I would have an opportunity for salvation. The Bible says he is no respecter of persons, and he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Christ, the same Christ, Christos means the anointed one, the anointed Messiah. He paid that price not just for the people of his time. He paid that price for everyone to come along after that. And he knew many would reject and, and, and not come to him. But he wrote a check for their salvation that all they got to do is take it, receive it, and go cash it, right? He already paid the price. He already paid the debt of our sin, our sickness, our disease. He paid the debt for our salvation. But if we don't take the, that's what it says on the bottom of the check, which we don't use checks anymore, hardly ever, but it says something about a debt down there, paid debt or whatever, in a little fine, small print. Jesus wrote the check for us over 2,000 years ago, and he didn't just write it for you and I. He wrote it for everyone, and he's no respecter of persons, and neither should you and I be, and we need to be looking and searching for the one Jesus put us on this planet to bring into his kingdom. You are the one, and you were someone else's one before. Amen? Look at me in John 4. This is a familiar scripture, but I, I think it, we need to go through it again, beginning in verse 4. Remember, Jesus is continually placing significance on the one. It says, now he had, he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, <clears throat> near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his, to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus was tired, and he, he was tired from the journey sat down by the well, and it was about noon. Verse 7, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? And his disciples, it says, has gone to town to buy food. Remember, they wanted him to go, but he said, I'm fine. Verse 9, the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew, I'm a Samaritan woman, how can you ask me for a drink? For the Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her and said, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Verse 11, Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself as did his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be, everyone who drinks this water, speaking of the well, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming to draw water. He told her, Go. Call your husband and come back. She said, I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right. You are right. You say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you, are, you have now is not your husband. What you said is quite true. Now, when you think about this time and you hear some real key points about her asking, why would a Jew and a man ask her 
for water, and so on, you got to realize Israel during the time of Jesus was comprised of three different regions, and of Judea in the south, Samaria in the middle, and Galilee of the north. And this passage was a passage that Jews would normally deter away from any way possible. And, and the reason was, was because when it was conquered in 722 B.C. by Assyria, when they conquered Israel and took the ten tribes' captivity, they brought in Gentiles from all over different lands, different nations, different beliefs, different backgrounds, and kept placing them in that area. They built their own false temples and so on. And so it became an area that was very poor, that where a lot of injustice took place because of poverty and what was done to them, and a lot of intermarriage of religions, of different beliefs, and so on. And to the Jewish people at the time, because you've got to remember, this is before they recognized Christ, they, they were opposed to this so greatly, and therefore they would avoid that area. Not only that, it was dangerous for them to come into that area as well. So in verse 9, Jesus said what? For the Jews do not, uh, she said, for Jews do not associate with the Samaritans. That's why. But look back in verse 4 what it says. Jesus had gone to Samaria. Jesus could have what? Jesus could have passed by this area. He did not have to go through it. But because of the power of one, because the Holy Spirit had drawn him to this area, and even when he was weary, he was tired of ministry, tired for ministry, he was hungry, he allowed his disciples to go on into town for comfort, for food, for relaxation, and so on. And he sat at the well because he knew he had an assignment. I'm telling you, every one of us have assignments on our life, divine, theos assignments. I think of, um, of Saul when he was struck blind, when he saw Jesus in a vision on the Damascus Road. He was struck off his beast, and he was instantly blind with scales over his eyes. There was a man named uh, Simon, I think it was, wasn't it? And he was given the assignment to go pray for him. Well, he didn't want to go pray for him because he was a Christian. He was a believer, and he was arguing with God in his prayer, like, you realize this is a guy that persecutes Christians and has them killed, has them imprisoned, has them beaten. But nevertheless, I'll, I'll go pray for him. Because he said, when you go pray for him, he'll know it's you. The scales drop in his eyes. That's in Acts chapter 9. So he did as commanded, and his assignment was Saul. But what a great assignment, because Saul did what? He matured into Paul and became a faithful son of God that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament that we share together today. You never know who is the one. You never know the impact. Think about the one that won Billy Graham. Think about the one that won T.D. Jakes. Think about the one that one, my grandfather in faith, one of them, uh, Brother Shambach or Oral Roberts, whoever it might be, your favorite minister, preacher of all time, Smith Wigglesworth, whoever, someone had to pay the price for that one. I think about me. People didn't think I'd be around until I was 21. They didn't think I would make it, but the power of one praying for me, believing for me, fasting for me, reaching out, keeping inviting me, gave me an opportunity to become one myself, a son of God. And in doing that, look how many tens of thousands of lives now will spend eternity in heaven, not hell, not because of me, but because of the one that invited me, the one that believed for me, the one that stayed after me until I finally got it. 
Nobody expected me to be a preacher. Nobody expected me to make it to heaven, especially go to church, but God. Never underestimate the assignment God has for you. That could be the biggest assignment of your life, being on this planet, not bearing children, you know, not having cool cats and dogs, not inventing some great, you know, tummy tuck deal or something, or new whatever cooking gizmo that you could become a zillionaire with. But it's for that one. And as you keep searching, as you keep seeking, as you keep believing for that, things are, that's where you are stacking blessings up for you, not only in this life, but in the life to come. So why did he go through Samaria? Because of that woman. He went through Samaria because of the one. He went through Samaria because of the one who was overlooked. She was, she was not only overlooked, she was looked down on by most people, and the ones that did look upon her, the ones that didn't look down on her, just didn't even notice her. She didn't exist to them. So when you think about that one person that influenced the schedule of the Son of God, one person influenced Jesus by the Spirit of God on him to go through Samaria where most Jews would never travel uh, at day or night and to wait alone by himself at a well. If God cared that much and loved that little lady, you'll find out more about her in a moment, that much to deter the Son of God off and have him wait, not eating, tired, and weary because she was that important to him. How important is your neighbor? How important are your family members that don't know Christ? How important are your friends, your work associates? Maybe people you haven't even met that you just kind of see them and God impresses you on you that you need to pray for them or introduce yourself to them. Hmm. You know, a lot of people would deter their way for, you know, a highly regarded person, a political figure, a wealthy person, a big spiritual person. But, Jesus did it for this woman. Jesus broke three major protocols by even ministering to her, right? Number one, she was a Samaritan. Jews were not allowed to be with Samaritans. Number two, during that time, men were not allowed to be alone and speak to women by themselves. Number three, she obviously was living an immoral life, so he was supposed to keep himself clean and to stay away from that. But the one, the one that was overlooked, the one that was pushed back, the one that people wanted to forget, and stay away from and didn't want her influence in her life was the one that Jesus was assigned to. If Jesus was not only assigned assigned to the masses, but to the ones, the individuals, are we any different, right? Are we greater than Jesus? Of course not. So Jesus actions, what? It invited these difficult questions, three difficult questions. And I want to ask you to ask yourself these questions. Who have I been overlooking, right? Who have I been overlooking, number one? Number two, who have I been avoiding? Who have I been avoiding? Number three, who have I been looking down on? If you answer any one of those three questions, you'll find your one. The one you've been overlooking, the one you've been looking down on. I know you're so religious, but still, I know you. Like you know me and the one you've been avoiding. Any one of those three. You'll probably find three of your five right there, right? So what happens? She shows us no one is outside the reach of Jesus. No one is outside his love. No one is outside his compassion. No one is outside 
His blood-bought salvation. He paid the price for everyone. She shows that. And that shows it for you and I, that no one who is addicted should be overlooked. No one who's an alcoholic should be overlooked. No one who's an atheist or an agnostic should be overlooked. No one that's a good person, you're not for sure or not, they're probably not, they shouldn't be overlooked. No man, no woman, no child should be overlooked. No lesbian, no homosexual should be overlooked. No one should be poor, rich, homeless. No one should be overlooked. We are here to pay the price for the one at all costs. If you believe that, give me a shout and say yes this morning. Isaiah uh, 59.1 says, listen, listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is his ear deaf to hear your call. Thank God for that. I, I was at the point I didn't think I could even be saved. But God, he was just looking for me, giving me the opportunity to meet him. And it took the one that brought me to church to receive him. Let's go on with this for a few moments. Look at me in verse 25. The woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. <clears throat> then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then, his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking to her? Then, leaving her, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said, uh, could this be the Messiah? And they came out of town and they made their way toward him. And many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony because he told her everything she had done. So what I want you to realize is we got to tell somebody. This woman met Jesus, right? She met Jesus. And once she met Jesus and he began to tell her about his life, you know, not only the man you're with now is not your husband, the five men you've been with, that you've had five husbands, this is not your husband, right? She felt like he told her her whole life. He only told her one truth about her life. When she had that encounter with God, the scales dropped from her eyes. When she had that encounter from God, she no longer felt overlooked. She no longer felt looked down on. She never longer felt like she needed to be avoided. She felt like someone is interested in me. And, and what happened is this one woman, that Jesus had sidetracked his day with, sidetracked his trip in a dangerous area with, now has an opportunity to encounter a holy God. And look what else happened. She went and told her story to her city, and the entire city came out, and most of that city came to Christ because of one woman telling someone. Never underestimate, you could win that woman to the Lord, and that woman could bring Lexington to Christ. It could bring Nicholasville to Christ. She could bring whoever, one boy, one girl, one man, one woman, one atheist, one agnostic, right? One Republican, one Democrat, just see it if you're still awake. Anyone is worthy of salvation. Just, just see it if you were still, see it if you were still awake, just get you going there. So what's Jesus say? You know, what was cool, though, about that 
I always loved, I used to preach it all the time. When she got the revelation he was the son of God, she dropped her water pots. Those water pots were heavy. They would put them like on a yoke and carry them like this. And they would fill them up with water for their family and for animals and walk long distances to that well. And I thought about the, the heavy weight those water pots were, how heavy they must be and how strenuous they must be in the hot, dusty area that was in. And here this little lady was filling those things up and carrying all that weight. You know, the Bible says, let not the weight of sin so easily beset us. You know, sin is heavy, man. Unforgiveness is weighty. You know, a judgmental spirit is weighty. Spirit of condemnation toward others is weighty. Spirit of addiction is, is weighty. Unforgiveness, man, that's weighty. Adultery, that's weighty. All these things that we deal with, hatred, bitterness, being a bigot, whatever it is, racist, whatever it is, it's weighty. It's up to us to have an encounter with Jesus so we can drop those water pots and go do our assignment. Man, I bet that woman never had to carry water again. When you got everybody in your city saved, they're probably carrying water to her. I would love to know what kind of ministry she had after that. It'd be hard to top winning your whole city to Christ, wouldn't it? But think about that. How many of you, under the sound of my voice today, watching online, or how many of you in here this morning, man, you have weight on you right now? Weight that's stressing you out, wearing you out, pushing you down. You know what I do when I'm sick? Number one thing I do is obviously pray and just thank God for my healing. But another thing I do, I begin to talk about healing. I begin to give testimonies about healing. I begin to teach about healing. I, because I know if I can get it for someone else, it's coming through me, I'm going to get mine too. And, and anything in our life that we struggle with, if we'll give it to God and allow him to use that story, allow him to use that as an opportunity, then what happens is, we are the ones that receive such a transformation because we become his vessel, the vessel that the Spirit of God flows through, the anointing, the love, and the grace of God flows through. Then finally, he says this in verse 35. Do you, ha do you have a saying to his disciples? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields, for they are ripe for harvest. I want you to know two weeks from now is ripe for harvest. We have an opportunity to win 100 or maybe more than that to the Lord. Just in two weeks, it's just a great event, the greatest event of all, celebrating the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. We have that opportunity. But we have an opportunity every day to win someone to Christ. That doesn't mean you're the one that prayed with them. Paul said some plant, some sow, some water, right, and some harvest. We just got to be part of his army. We got to be part of his leadership. And just as he was talking to his disciples, there was a lot, so there was thousands of disciples now. You had the 12, but you had all these other disciples that had come to Christ throughout this time. But the laborers were few. I believe that's the way it is with the church today. If you look at some percentages in the body of Christ, 2% of church members invite an unchurched person to church in their entire walk with God. Only 2%. 82% of unchurched people are somewhat likely to attend if they're invited. That's pretty good odds. 
Seven out of ten unchurched people have never been invited to church their whole life. Now, we look around. Maybe people you're familiar with have. We're talking about people in general in our community, in our 47-mile sphere. And that's why we're going to take a Sunday probably in June and just the whole church, we're going to focus on. It doesn't mean we're going out and just start preaching to people. We're going to preach our lives. If we get an opportunity to testify, we're going to testify. But the main thing is we're going to love them and serve them just as they are, not as we think they should be. God, Jesus said, I didn't come for the healed, the healthy. I came for the sick. I'm the great physician. I came for the lost. I came for those with heavy water pots. I came for the one. Isn't it cool that God doesn't look at us as billions, but as one? And every one of us are significant to him. Every one of us are important to him. Every one of us have a responsibility. Every one of us have a calling. Every one of us have a sight. You know, a lot of times we're like, well, you know, pray and search our whole life to find out what we're called to do and miss our assignment. Your assignment today is what you're called to do. Your assignment tomorrow is what you're called to do. Your assignment next month is what, just take it hour by hour and day by day and just allow God to use you. You would be shocked. If you would just start telling how you came to Christ, you say, yeah, but mine wasn't like yours, Pastor. I wasn't like you. I mean, I came to Christ when I was 10 or 20 or whatever, but, you know, I'm 30 or whatever. But I, I, I didn't really like out there like you. But, see, there's a lot more people like you than like I was. See, you, you, you can never underestimate the power of your story. And this next two weeks is the greatest time to use your story. Just to let people know, man, God loved me just as I am, not as religious people or even myself thought I should. That's how much he loves me. That's how much he cares for me. He paid the price for me just like he did any other person. I'm that significant to him. Let's bow our heads. I'm going to ask you, do you feel significant to him? Do you feel that you're fulfilled through him? Do you know this morning that he's your Savior? Do you know this morning that if you died, the Bible says be absent for your body to be present with the Lord, that you'd instantly be present with the Lord or not? If you don't know when you die, if you'd be in heaven or not with God, if you don't know that you're blood-bought, that you're born again this morning, I want to pray for you. You online, you here today. God told me April is going to be the most spectacular, singular month we've ever experienced. You say, well, what's going to happen? I don't know. I just know what God told me. I can't wait to see. I can't wait to participate. I do believe it's going to be one of the greatest salvation months we've had. I do believe it's going to be one of the times of greatest answered prayer for those connected to this house and ministry. I believe that. And for the church, I believe it's going to be one of the greatest months we've ever experienced, spirit, soul, body, financially, all that stuff, <clears throat> but we have to do what God asked us to do. And he put this on my heart, the leadership's heart, and I believe your heart, that if we'll do our assignment and, and operate through the power of one and say, Holy Spirit, I'm going to get myself right so I can bring righteousness to others through your blood and through your grace and your name. That's what he wants to do this morning. So you say, I need to get right this morning, Pastor. I've been far away from God. I need to come home to Jesus today. Or maybe you've never known him, or you're not even for sure. On the count of three, I want you to just raise your hand. I just want to pray for you where you are this morning. We'll pray together. 
You online, just type yes, someone's watching right now, and you can join in this prayer with us as well. I'm going to count for you to say yes. Nobody's looking around. Just say, yes, Pastor, I need Jesus. You know, everybody wants to debate and split hairs. Well, if you backslid is this or that or whatever. If you need Jesus, you need Jesus, people. That's what's important. It's not about a number. It's about you. So if that's you on a count of three, I want to pray for you right now. One, two, three. Just raise your hand where you are. I want to pray right now. We'll come into agreement with you that today you can make sure you're blood-bought. Today you can know that you were born again and a child of Jesus and on your way to heaven. Is that anyone here this morning? Just, I know you're here. I know your heart's beating right now. I know you've been negotiating with God, trying to cut a deal to next week or Easter or when your family's here, your friend's here, or when you tell your boyfriend or girlfriend or your spouse. But you know, whether your spouse ever accepts Jesus or not, doesn't determine whether you go to heaven or hell. If your friends ever accept Jesus or not, your parents, none of that determines whether you go to heaven or hell, only the decision you make. I'm going to give you one more opportunity. I know you're in here. I want to pray for you. You online, let me know if someone said yes online. But you want to, you know you need to get right with Jesus this morning. If that's you, you raise your hand. We're going to pray right now. Oh, thank you for that hand, ma'am. Thank you for the bravest lady in the building. Thank you for that hand. Is there another one? I know there's others. Thank you back there. Yes, yes, ma'am. Thank you. Another lady back there. I know there's more than two. They're valuable and they're precious to God. But they've already broke the ice and done the most difficult thing. How about it this morning? You want to join these two ladies and make sure that you know that you know Jesus is Lord and Savior. I'm going to count to three and then I'm going to pray. And this is for those. Let me know for those online. One, two, three. You haven't raised your hand, raise it quickly. Right now, we're going to pray. We're going to pray. Every heart free and clear. You say, well, what's he waiting for? He must not be hungry. Oh, I'm hungry to see someone get righteousness. That's what I'm hungry for. How about these two lovely ladies giving their life to Christ? Come on. Is that important? Is that significant? I'm sure there's some online right now. They'll let me know in a minute. But let's pray this prayer. You online, everyone here with these two lovely ladies. And let's pray this prayer out loud. Let's close our eyes, raise our hands to heaven. Say this prayer to me. Dear Heavenly Father, I repent of sin. I believe Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus, forgive me. Come live in my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. Today, in Jesus' name, I become a child of God. I'm born again. I'm blood-bought in Jesus' name. Give God a big shout. Come on, give God a big shout. He's worthy. He's worthy. Um, where will our prayer team be? We have a prayer room out front, but someone will be waiting at the door, one of our prayer team members right back here at the exit signs. So you two especially, your family can come with you and anyone else or anyone else that needs any kind of prayer can go over there and go back into the prayer room and, uh, and receive prayer. Uh, they're walking around now to give those two lovely ladies some information.